So I found this embalmed, disembodied foot. Is it going in your mouth? Well, actually, funny story there. <laughs> it turns out if you stick this foot in your mouth and say, I let you in in pig Latin, you can communicate with statues. Does that mean we can tell the Confederate statues to <laughs> off? Thanks a lot. I have to bleep that. Sorry. <laughs> I thought I didn't think about that. As is obvious. <laughs> Welcome out of the bridge, everybody. Welcome out of the bridge. This is a long walk for a short drink of water. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And, yeah, okay, well, you know what, uh, I'll get into movie reviews and stuff later. Uh, we're, news. News, news has happened. News galore. News galore. Maybe not as much news as last time, though. Hmm, okay. We do, however, have confirmation of Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2. Why? <laughs> yeah, I... How, how well did the first game do? <laughs> apparently well enough. Okay. Look, man, I have fun with that. For barely having played it. Uh, you know what? That's fair. Texas. <laughs> Texas. According to the art director, stages, models, music, 98% of the game was built from scratch. This project is functionally a fresh start, but the team came in swinging with the knowledge of over two years of development from the first title. Why from scratch? Yeah, that's... It'll be impressive if the game is actually good, but otherwise, that's usually not good game development? That sounds like you're going to run into a lot of crunch. Yeah, especially if, if it's only a two-year time period between releases. Yeah, I don't know when it releases. Mm. Still, though, that's wh why just rebuild everything? Why not just improve on what you already have? Right. I think I saw somewhere that the release date leaked. I haven't been paying much attention because I don't truck with leakers. Uh, fair. But uh, apparently everybody's movesets have been redone, which just hmm. kind of feels unnecessary. Yeah, just a little bit. They better still have the thing where Ren just slams Stimpy out of the floor, because they're still in. It seems like it seems like a lot of characters are still in. So, like, all previous characters are still going to be We don't know thing. about all. Oh, okay. Don't know about all. Seems like a good chunk. Plus, we're getting some new some new characters, like Squidward. Hmm. <laughs> okay. And Jimmy Neutron. Who sh uh, why was he not in from Go? Yeah, I feel like Jimmy Neutron would... Jimmy Neutron, I could see being, like, a good, like, range character. Also, Hugh Neutron got in before him. Yeah, oh, that's insulting, now that I think about it. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's really bad. Why? Jimmy should have been first. <laughs> Absolute insanity. Mm. Also, apparently, there's going to be a single-player campaign revolving around Vlad Plasmius trying to conquer the universe. Okay. Sure. If this ends up being a stealth sequel to those Nicktoons Unite games where they all started crossing over, I am going to flip my lid. I feel like that's the direction that that's going in, just since there hasn't, there hasn't been a Nicktoons Unite in a long time, right? Well, I mean, there was only one Nicktoons Unite, and then there were a bunch of follow-ups like Battle for Volcano Island, Globs of Doom, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, can we get Tack? Tack would be cool. Not not from Zim. Tack from the power of Juju. Yeah, as I say, what is what is Tack up to nowadays? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Dead property. Yeah. Very sad. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's a little bit of news. We're gonna talk about something next that is, is both great news, but it also pisses me off on a personal level. Oh, boy. For those who don't know about Digimon the movie... <laughs> oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> yep, yep. So... Digimon the movie, as we know it here in America, is actually the first three Digimon movies stitched together into one. And it's kind of awful for it, but it's also got its own charm. Like the Digimon dub, 
the the English dub is actually pretty great and very problematic. But the problematicness is what makes it great. <laughs> God, it just it never shuts up that dub. No, it doesn't. <laughs> But uh, Discotech Media has announced that they have the distribution rights, and they will be re-releasing it soon as Digimon the Movies. So what that means is, it's going to include the American cut of Digimon the Movie. Hmm. It is going to have the three separate films. Okay. With the option of watching the original subtitled Japanese versions or a brand new uncut dub, featuring a lot of the returning actors, but also some new casting where necessary. I hope it's still just as problematic. (laughs) I hope it's very annoying, too. Mm. So, this is exciting to me, but it's also infuriating, and let me tell you why. (laughs) Because a little little over ten months ago, so shy of a year, I finally bit the bullet, and I spent, like, almost $50 buying a DVD copy of Digimon the Movie, because I was like, I don't have this on my shelf. And I have very fond memories of this. And also, they're never going to touch it again. Never. (laughs) Not with a ten-foot pole. No one is ever going to do anything with Digimon the movie again in my lifetime. Because why would they? It's goddamn terrible. (laughs) And then, lo and behold, here we are. Digimon the movies. See, now what you do is that you try and sell the one you have now, like, real quick for the $50 so you at least recoup your money before this re-release launches. That takes work. I mean, yes it does, but... (laughs) Greg, I'm busy podcasting and having a real job. (laughs) It's just a suggestion. And scripting a new Poorly Explained Comics. Which you should definitely check out on the Scarlet Troll YouTube channel. Thank you. (laughs) It's going to be about the Ninja Turtles. Oh, right, right. (laughs) Anyways, that's that's that. I feel that pain just because I have had... It's kind of like when I bought Crisis Core for my PSP and then like literally a week and a half later, we're putting Crisis Core on the Xbox as a remaster. It's like, come on. Yep. (laughs) Anyways, I looked very much forward to... Spending probably more money than I should getting this movie again. I hope it's not going to be a limited release or anything. Oh, it might be. I'll have to keep an eye out. Mm. I got some good news, though. Okay. Some, like, real solid good news. The Angela Anaconda short is gone. I forgot what that was. <laughs> you don't remember when we watched it for a movie? In front, of the, in front of the movie, there was a little short about oh, Angela right. Anaconda and her yeah, friends yeah, going yeah, yeah, to yeah. see the Digimon movie in theaters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible! Very. (laughs) No purpose. No point. Absolute cringe. Hate it. Now it's gone. Thank goodness. As homeostasis intended. I mean, watch it be a thing where it's like they didn't take it out because it's bad, but because it's like we don't have the rights to keep this in here. (laughs) That's probably it. Mm. I would not be surprised if the Angela Anaconda rights to that short are completely separate. Maybe that's why we never got a re-release. Maybe nobody could get the full rights and nobody felt like just <laughs> and, cutting and the no one, Yeah, no one could get the full rights and no one thought of this. Like, it's like, yeah, but do we need the rights for every little thing that's in here? What if we just re-release it without Angela Anaconda? What? <laughs> Nani? That is not allowed. <laughs> I'm going to move on to studio executives saying stupid things. Oh, boy. This is not... We are, we, we are not yet at Pay Your Writers... But but we're getting closer. <laughs> yeah. Paramount CEO Brian Robbins was talking with Variety about many things. <laughs> many things, said boy. Many things. 
And we got some good news, which is it is still possible that we might get a Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves sequel. Okay. He did specify we've got to figure out a way for ma- to make it for less, which, mm. on the one hand, fair. On the other hand, you could have also stood to market it better. Not just more, but better. Yeah. You made that movie seem honestly kind of unappealing. That movie is definitely one of the cases where all their marketing did not at all do the movie justice. Yeah. You made it seem very Guardians of the Galaxy derivative in the worst way. Mm-hmm. So, not sure if that's a lesson you want to take, but hey, I'm not the one running a multi-billion dollar company. <laughs> Don't know why you are. But, <laughs> anyway, he, 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 here's the one that's really getting some people's... It's raising some hackles, I think is the phrase. Uh, instead of raising some eyebrows? I guess you could do that, too. Mm, it's raising some eyebrows and ca- causing some hackles. Or something like that. So, in talking about animated content, he said... We're not going to release an expensive original animated movie and just pray people will come. Apparently, the intention is to focus on making their animated movies about pre-existing IPs. Okay. He said, it's not about Disney and Pixar anymore, noting the stumbles of films like Elemental and Lightyear. Elemental actually started getting some momentum back once people realized it was actually good. What are you on about? Yeah, as to say, it's like, what do you mean it's not about them anymore? It's always about them, even when their movies don't do well. He said, people are looking for animated movies that are irreverent and have a comedic point of view. Okay! Okay, listen! Listen, <laughs> li- listen, listen, sir. Here's the thing. You know what's really killing the animated box office? Studios, like Disney, and you, telling people... Well, okay, I shouldn't, I shouldn't throw him under the bus because I don't know what Paramount Plus's strategy has been. Because I haven't been paying attention. But... What's killing the animated box office is Disney setting the expectation for families that if they don't go see the movie while it's in theaters, it'll just be on Disney+, Plus, which a bunch of families already have, because it's a bunch of Disney content. Yeah. No-brainer! Yeah, and it's, it's the thing of Disney+, Plus in of itself as a concept, is going to be generally a better outset for family media watching than probably going for, to the theater anyway. So yeah. since you already set that expectation, it's like, yeah, why would people want to go to the theaters en masse to see animated and Pixar movies? So naturally, this has been a very unpopular thing. It's been uh, it's been much parodied, much mocked, mm. very hated, <laughs> and in fact, it was bad enough that Paramount and Nickelodeon Animation President Ramsey Naito basically walked those comments back, saying, "We are absolutely committed to making original animated films and are in development on a handful of projects." Brian and I believe we are nothing without fresh voices, faces, and narratives, and it's our responsibility to add new perspectives, modern characters, and vernacular to our culture of storytelling. Hmm. Originals speak authentically to today's audience, must be handled with care, and make their own mark in our legacy library, and hopefully stand the test of time. That said, we're not a one-size-fits-all kind of studio, and our budgets are designed to support the scope of our storytelling. Fair. Fair. That's a much more fairer assessment. Because <laughs> it's just, oh god. Every single IP that you're looking to mine started off as a new idea at some point. Yeah. SpongeBob did not fall fully formed from God's ass on Sunday. (laughs) Alright? Somebody made that. Steven Hillenberg made that. And then Nickelodeon kept it going after his death. Well past his wishes. Yeah. (laughs) Wait a minute, that's you! Oh, it is, isn't it? I forgot! That's basically Paramount! (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Hold on a second. Run by Paramount Global through its network divisions, kids and family. Fuck off! 
You may not be the rat bastard who did it, but you're one of the rat bastards perpetuating it. Hmm. God damn it. All right. You know what? This seems like a perfect segue. Time for pay your writers. Time to pay for your writers. Do 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 do. Pay your fucking writers. And now actors. Pay your writers and your actors. Pay everybody except mm. the executives. They've made enough. Indeed. So uh, there, there, there's one particular quote because you know there's there's the usual people are people are speaking out about stuff. <laughs> It, it is it is amazing how there is a quote every week that is always right. problematic. <laughs> no, no, this one, this is good. This is oh, this okay. is a roast. I mean, it's not really a roast. It's actually, I think, a pretty fair statement. I'm just calling it a roast because uh, it's about Bob Iger's comments about the strike being very disturbing and saying the union expectations were not realistic. Hmm. Tatiana Maslany, a.k.a. the sensational She-Hulk, decided to weigh in and said... I think he's completely out of touch. He's completely out of touch with the workers who make his shows happen, who make people watch these shows, who bring in viewer, who bring viewers to him and him money. Having worked on a Disney show, I know where people fall through the cracks and where people are taken advantage of, and it's outrageous the amount of wealth that is not shared with the people who actually make the show. That's crew, cast, writers. Which, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to point out quite, uh, I think like almost 40 indie productions have gotten waivers because they're willing to agree to whatever agreement is reached, which means in the event that the studios all cave and give the writers exactly what they want, these independent producers are all willing to go with it. Yeah. So what's you guys' problem? Don't have enough gold-plated yachts? Yeah, what's your excuse at that point? Terrible. On the flip side, we are getting some... I'm probably walking into a minefield on this because I, I don't I don't really have a horse in this race, but hmm. I'm gonna weigh in anyway. Alrighty. Because we do have some high-profile people talking about backing away from projects even though they have interim agreements for production. Hmm. Notably, Viola Davis is backing away from G20 while the strike is ongoing, even though I, I believe she's a producer in it hmm. as well as starring in it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, her exact quote is, I love this movie, but I do not feel that it would be appropriate for this production to move forward during the strike. I appreciate that the producers on the project agree with this decision. Juvie Productions and I stand in solidarity with actors, SAG-AFTRA, and the WGA. Which, okay. Uh, Brad Pitt has backed away from his Formula One film Apex, apparently. Yeah. And I can understand the idea, and I understand the intent, because I can see where, in some ways, the intent of the strike is to halt Hollywood enough that the studios start freaking out about it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is... If these are productions that already got that interim agreement, that means they've functionally agreed, not to your terms, but they have agreed to whatever is settled on, which means if you get all your terms, they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. They're... So I feel like that's hurting a lot of people besides the strikers, because, I mean, there's a lot of crew involved with these productions who now aren't able to move forward because they're missing one of the big stars. Mm hmm That means... Like, okay, I'm prepared for there to be no new movies in theaters, but that does hurt theater owners. Yeah, this is one of those things where the overall intent is good, but as much as I hate to say it, some of it kind of feels like these actions are being taken not for the ex not just for the sole or express intent of being in solidarity with the strikers, but to, it feels a little bit like they're kind of doing to get good press. Like, I am 
doing this to show my solidarity for the cloud and attention of it when it's like, yeah, but you already agreed to at least a loose settlement of terms that lets you keep on doing the thing. So at this point, all you're doing is stopping the thing for no real reason. I'm not going to go so far as to say it's for clout, because I can I can see the argument that if literally nothing is happening, that just incentivizes studios to get to agreeing to a deal sooner. Mm, fair. So I can see that, but you gotta remember, they got a lot of fucking money. Mm-hmm. They can wait. Yeah. They can wait it out, because we'll get into some of the steps that they're already taking to mitigate the damage this is doing, but... Yeah, so I don't know. As a neutral observer with no skin in the game, as Miles Morales would say, or something <laughs> like that, <laughs> maybe get off the kid's ass, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for real. So that's... We'll see how that unfolds. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I can see, I, I can see an argument in both cases. I personally feel it's maybe a little more harmful than helpful, but again, again, I could be talking out my ass, and I welcome anybody to correct me if there are pieces that I'm missing. Oh no, that's fair. Anyways, as I said, some studios are already... Oh, I forgot a thing. Mm. Oh well. We'll have to do it in between then. Okay. So, Sony's already started making some moves to their release calendar as a result of the strikes, ostensibly. Perhaps the most notable is that Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse has been removed from its March 29th, 2024 release date and is now undated. I mean, to be fair, strike or no strike, there was no way that movie was making that release date. <laughs> yeah, good. Good. Yeah. Delay it three years if you have to. Yeah, for real. This is why I don't like two-parters, though. You are not <laughs> guaranteed a part two. As I say, like, if you've got a two-part movie during all this, you're you're getting fucked right now. <laughs> Make both at the same time, god fucking damn it. Yeah, for real. That way you don't have to worry about shit like this. And if you can't do that, don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Just have a conclusive ending that wraps together. But no, this is a genuinely good move. 100%. Take all the time you need. Mm-hmm. Does not matter. People will still go see it. They'll go crazy. I mean, hell, this was five years after the first one, release date-wise. Mm-hmm. And it still made more than the first one. Give it another five years. Who cares? Yeah, there, there will always be an appetite for this kind of, for these movies, which means that you can take your time, well, A, going through the strike and finishing that out, but also finishing the movie and ideally not destroying your creators in the process, and it'll still pay in dividends. Exactly. Another one, and this one, this one hurts me. Not because I was looking forward to it, but <laughs> Craven the Hunter has been pushed back. It is not coming out October 6th of this year. It is coming out August 30th, 2024. Hmm. That is another full, like, 11 months that I am going to have to deal with just waiting in grim anticipation for this <laughs> stupid fucking movie to come out so I could stop thinking about it. As I say, wasn't it better that it's taking longer then? Because then it's like you have you don't have to think about it as much. No, Greg, that's worse <laughs> because that means a longer marketing cycle. Mm, oh, that's assuming they actually take advantage of their marketing cycle time. That still means more time that we have to spend watching Craven trailers. Mm, fair, fair, fair. Either in front of movies, or thinking about it, or... Ah, uh, it hurts me. It hurts me a lot. 
I was really looking forward to this coming out, so I never had to think about it again. (laughs) Except as a meme, like Morbius. And then Hollywood had to go and not pay the writers. (laughs) I have maybe thought of Morbius, like, ten times since it came out last year. Which Mm. sounds like a lot, it's really not. Generally, it's, I make a meme, remember that it's from Morbius... And not even from Morbius, just about Morbius. Like, I'll make a more billion dollars joke, or I'll Morbin Time joke, or a derivative thereof. And then I will remember, oh right, Morbius was a thing. Yeah, and I want to point out for the audience at home who doesn't believe this, I want to very much emphasize this man actually owns a It's Morbin Time shirt. <laughs> I do, you gave it to me for Christmas, I, thank that you. I, that I got as a present. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... Oh, you only think about it, thought about it ten times in the past year. It's like, yes, that's very little. <laughs> also moving, the Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel will not be coming out December 20th, 2023. It will now be out March 29th, 2024, so it's taking Beyond the Spider-Verse's place. I think that was the one that kind of bummed me out. A little bit. Yeah, because I remember liking Afterlife, the first Afterlife, a lot. Yeah, I had a good time with that one. Actually, like, one of the rare instances of a movie that... There's always movies that make me go, I should cr- I should be crying right now. First Afterlife was the one that actually almost made me cry in the theater. So I was a little bummed to hear about that, but at the same time, given the reasoning for it, it's, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. We also got a Karate Kid reboot has been moved to December 13th, 2024 from June 7th, 2024. I completely forgot they were making that. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I knew. Mm. And a Blumhouse project called They Listen is now undated, having previously been planned for August 30th, 2024. However, we do have one move forward and then a couple of actual dates. Okay. Madam Web has moved forward a little bit to Valentine's Day 2024, originally set for February 16th. So two days. <laughs> two days. <laughs> okay. Venom 3 is now dated for July 12th, 2024. I don't believe that. July 12th, 2024. No. No. That's not happening. (laughs) Yeah, I I have a hard time with that one as well. And Bad Boys 4 is going to be June 14th, 2024. Man, I haven't even heard anything about that movie. Me neither, which I don't know if I believe that either. Also, I still can't believe all you had to do was wait one movie and you could have had Bad Boys 4 Life. Oh, that's true. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> right? Mm. I mean, it's stupid, but it was right there. It was right there. It was right there. Anyways, uh, it's expected Warner Brothers, Disney, and probably others will follow suit soon enough following Sony's lead. Also, Gran Turismo got pushed back two weeks. <laughs> it's like... I, I just, it, fucking why? For me, the funniest thing about that is the fact that... It's one thing if the games, even the fucking Gran Turismo movie can't can't avoid being delayed. Because <laughs> the games have always gotten delayed. <laughs> Outstanding. That is genuinely hilarious to me. <laughs> so the little bit of a uh, little bit of news that I left out accidentally that doesn't have to do with the writer strike. Donald Glover and his brother Stephen Glover are now co-writing the Lando series. Wait, can they do that? Yeah. Are they part of the act of the writers' guild? Well, they're not working on it, but presumably they've been signed to write it. Uh, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> but there's some bad news, mm-hmm. which is that previous showrunner Justin Simeon is no longer attached, 
And it's not really that I have an opinion on him specifically working on the show. Apparently, he only found out through social media when it was announced that the Glovers were taking over. That's shitty. <laughs> yeah. That's really shitty. It really is. Oof. It gets even worse because just last... Actually, not even last week, a few days ago, uh, an interview with The Hollywood Reporter came out with him, and they asked him if he was still attached to write Lando, and he said, I am attached, I think, but I don't really know. The last thing I was told was that they loved it but needed to put a pin in it until they could figure out everybody's availability. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. It's like, yeah, we figured out everyone's availability. Including yours. <laughs> which is not. <laughs> which is zero. <laughs> what a shitty thing to do. For real. Holy hell. So, yeah, I mean, I I like the idea of a Lando series, but boy, howdy, if that doesn't sour me on it. Yeah, no, like... I need to watch Andor at some point. Same. Oh, it's such a shame, because it's Donald Glover, too, and I usually love most of the things that Donald Glover's in, so... Right? Everything about this sounds like things I would enjoy, but that's that's just bad behavior. That's a crappy thing to do, especially because he's also the director of Haunted Mansion, which Disney already just got done fucking over. Hmm. But we'll get into that. <laughs> Shall we go into trailer time? Sure. All right. It's trailer time again. We've got movie previews to watch. It's trailer time again. Only a few trailers this week, thank God. But um, <laughs> one of them is Saw Ten, so it or looks Saw X. So bad. What a stupid fucking thing. <laughs> okay, so I have now officially seen three Saw movies. Uh, three and a half. I was halfway through Saw 3 before we started recording this. Mm. <laughs> so okay. I've seen I've seen Saw 1, Saw 2, half of Saw 3, and Spiral. So I've basically seen 1, 2, half of 3, and 9. <laughs> kind of like my Fast and Furious <laughs> forays originally. Yeah. Or I'm missing the entire middle section of it. But, no, this looks terrible. Apparently it's supposed to be an intercool. It's between the first Saw and the second one, which, why? What's the fucking point? Yeah, then just call it Saw 1.5 then. Yeah, it's certainly not 10. Mm -hmm. Under that logic. God, I've been playing Kingdom Hearts too long. For me, what did me in for this trailer and all that is just that the tone of this is all over the fucking place. Because sometimes it's trying to be scoop spooky, sometimes it's trying to be creepy, sometimes it's trying to be like a weird ass like sketch comedy. Welcome to Saw. Is that really just the mo for Saw? Saw is very like trying to get morbid laughs out of stuff. Hmm. Occasionally, here and there, maybe not really morbid laughs, but like there's supposed to be an irony. But okay. a lot of the times that irony... No, you know what? This is just about on brand from the ones that I have seen, because a lot of the times the irony is so heavy-handed it circles back around and I'm missing the point entirely. Mm. I like the first Saw. Don't get me wrong. And the second one wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Spiral was a mess. <laughs> See, I thought... Originally, I saw things about there being a new Saw thing, but for whatever reason, my brain auto-filled it as the sequel to Spiral. I was just like, no. huh, that's that's faster than I expected, but hey, what can you do? Spiral's barely a sequel to any of them anyway. Hmm. But, no, so apparently in this one, it's it's John Kramer, the original Jigsaw, getting revenge on people who scammed him into thinking they could cure his cancer, only to not even operate on him, or, get, or at least not remove the tumor. Right. And it's like, are you, are you trying to make Jigsaw sympathetic? Because it's, it's, no. it's still fucking Jigsaw. 
He still kills a bunch of people who don't fucking deserve it. He's still a dumb asshole. He's still... He's one of those fucking obtuse, debate-me-bro, holier-than-now fucking philosophy students who's just like, Ah, yes, I read fucking Socrates, and now I'm goddamn fucking <laughs> enlightened or some shit. Yeah. Piss off, bro. No, this looks terrible. It looks really bad. <laughs> I guess the gimmick is that they're all in the same room this time, which... Neat. I don't know if that is a gimmick. Saw 2 had them all wandering around the same house together until they all started splitting up. Mm. I don't know, I need to watch more of these, I guess, to figure out if this is, like, actually anything new. I, I will let you watch them, and I will ask you about them later, because I have zero desire to watch these movies, in all honesty. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'm having a hard enough time as it is. With the possible exception of Spiral. Oh, we're gonna make you watch Spiral at some point. I don't know who he is, but we're doing it. I mean, the only reason I want to watch is because it has Chris Rock and Sam Jackson. That's oh, the only Chris reason. Rock is terrible in it. Yeah, I. that's kind of what I figured. <laughs> I, yep. I kind of want to see how terrible he is in it. Speaking of movies neither of us have ever seen, we also got a trailer for The Exorcist Believer. Which looks creepy and uncomfortable. It looks more uncomfortable than creepy to me. Mm, fair. Well, I guess I should say more unsettling than scary. Mm. Oh, yeah, you know. know what? You know, no, that's. I think that's a fair assessment of it. I mean, it does look bad. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty interesting. It also looks, from the ending of it, like it's gonna give me an absolute, like, it's gonna give me a seizure or something. It looks better than Saw X. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's not a high bar. Mm. But all those flashes at the end were very disorientating. Right. Apparently there's five Exorcist movies before <sighs> this one. But this is only a sequel to the first one. What's the fucking point? <laughs> yeah, apparently there's the first one, there's two sequels, there's two separate prequels because the studio thought that the one that they were originally working on wasn't going to be good, so they had a completely different one made, and then when that one bombed, they did a limited release of the one they were originally working on. I'm guessing that one was well-received. <laughs> no, not especially. Okay, never mind. That would just be the funniest thing, though, when it's like, Oh, we don't think people are going to like this. Let's remove the, Let's put this other movie out. It's like, this thing sucks. And it's like, okay, we'll put the other one out. I was like, why didn't you release this for fur? This one's fire. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> as far as I could tell, it was considered marginally better than the one that they switched to. But mm. still not good. Yeah, see, so yeah, one of those things where it's like better, but not again, not a high bar to cross. So I'm probably not watching five Exorcist movies before this. I might watch the first one beforehand. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But this looks... Honestly, I thought it was more scary before the obvious, like, demonic morphing happens, you know? Right. Before their faces change and start getting scratched up and everything. Like, when you don't know what's going on, that's when it's at its creepiest. Yeah. Just based on the trailer. No, I can agree to that. But I'm definitely more willing to see this than I am... Saw 10. Although I'll probably still see Saw 10. I don't know. You have fun with that, my friend. I won't, but thanks. <laughs> I feel like this might be one of those movies where if I do see it, I'll get annoyed with the motif very quickly. I know that it is the general exor exorcist motif. Motif. Holy hell. But... <laughs> you mean the music? <laughs> yes, the music. Yeah. I feel like I'd get annoyed with it very quickly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I keep forgetting that's the exorcist music. Mm. I mean, I don't know. It looks fine, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't really have anything else to say besides it looks fine, in all honesty. Wait least... a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh-oh. No! Yes? They're already planning a trilogy, and this 
There's already a sequel in the works, too, and the whole thing's being directed by David Gordon Green, the same guy who did the new Halloween trilogy. You just fucked yourselves! <laughs> did y'all motherfuckers see Halloween? Meanwhile, Mr. Green is just like, money, 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 money. My god, fucking, like, the, fr- the, the Halloween in 2018 was actually good, and then Halloween Kills happened, and then Halloween Ends happened. You dumb motherfuckers! You mm. just Signed off on one interesting first film and then shitty sequels. Maybe they're doing this as like, okay, if we have this guy do it, no one else will ever ask for these movies ever again when we're fucking done. <laughs> maybe it is a tax write-off, I don't know. Or maybe he'll do a good job, I don't know. Maybe Halloween was just a... Uh... Was just cursed? Maybe Halloween was cursed, I don't know. <laughs> Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, that's one of those movies. Right. I think that's like the sixth one? Hmm. And up until the 2018 one, it was the only one I've seen besides the first. I have a weird relationship with <laughs> with, with movie franchises where I've seen, like, the first one and I've seen, like, a weird middle child or the last one. I feel like you have a weird relationship with, like, the franchises that, that are considered, like, the hallmarks of, like, horror. Yeah. I still don't think I've ever seen a Friday the 13th, come to think of it. Hmm. I need to fix that. Yeah, pro- same. Anyways, Loki Season 2. It looks like a fun and maybe moderately existentially depressing time. <laughs> this looks like more of what I wanted from Loki Season 1 to begin with. Mm-hmm. Time travel buddy cop shenanigans between Loki and Mobius. Yeah. Also, Kihui Kwan's in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's OB, the guy at the desk. Oh, <laughs> That's, uh, that's Short Round from Indiana Jones and Waymond from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Hey, there you go. Yeah, that, I, I did love that exchange in the beginning where he's like, you know what that is? Yes. Can you fix it? No. No one ever does that in the TVA. It just happened. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After that happened and then, like, the Marvel Studios credits started, I was like, why do I feel like I just got whiplashed by a trailer? <laughs> and I like that this has more obvious magic from loki like i'm I'm not a huge fan of the green of the weird vague green energy blast but i like the thing that he does with the shadows i like that we're apparently getting some more illusions Mm -hmm. that stuff is good yeah that stuff's always neat there wasn't enough loki being loki in loki season one Mm. the final two episodes peak loki rest of the series eh, protagonist could have been almost anyone i feel like less the series mid loki that was a very green, I assume, key lime pie. It w- uh, Yeah, I got the feeling it was key lime, just based on the green coloring. It looked about right. I don't know what else it would be. Oh god, I'm just imagining a pie, but it's mint, and that's probably the most disgusting thing I can imagine. I mean, I was one of the weirdos who liked, like, the mint chocolate chip ice cream. No, I'll eat mint chocolate chip ice cream, but I'm imagining a mint pie filling, and it's basically just fucking toothpaste. Yeah, with the consistency at that point, it would just be eating toothpaste. That scene's ruined for me forever now. Why did I do this? (laughs) God fucking damn it. Mm. I don't want to think about that anymore. Uh, I see they're still keeping Jonathan Majors for the time being. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I was just like, well, you know what? I have a feeling that that was one of those things where all of that was done well before all yeah. the news about Majors came out. So it's not like... They can, yeah. It's like, okay, we can like totally retcon it, but there's no point in doing that, especially with a ongoing writers and actors strike right now. Right, but the the, the writers strike kind of sealed it because they would have had to make some changes if they recast, I assume. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, was, it was too late at that point. 
Oh, yeah. I like Miss Minutes turning into a giant hologram ghost. See, what's unfortunate about that is that everything about the trailer was looking really cool and kind of terrifying, and then that happens. She just goes, you better run! And it's like, oh, I can't take this seriously anymore. Because <laughs> it's Tara Strong doing a western accent. Yeah. Or southern accent. I don't know. We're in Florida. We have to go north to get south. You're not wrong. And not just because of the panhandle. <laughs> So yeah, I'm... Okay, I'm about to get into it after we cover box office. Secret Invasion has now left me very wary of trusting these Disney Plus shows, and not in a good way. Oh. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I, I, I... Oh, God. Uh, fuck. <laughs> I'll get into it, but... So I'm hoping this this looks good, but I've been tricked before. Hmm. First, let's get into box office, though. All right. We did see the highest-grossing movie... This weekend, domestically. Last weekend, because it was Barbie. <laughs> there we go. $93 million domestically this weekend for a $351.4 million domestic total. $780.7 million worldwide. Oh my. It is expected to cross a billion. As it should. As it should! Brilliant! It was a, it was a brilliant freaking movie. I love it. Second place. We actually saw the second highest grossing movie <laughs> last weekend, too. Because uh, it was Oppenheimer. Hey, there we go. <laughs> $46.7 million domestic weekend, $174.5 million domestic total, $405.5 million worldwide. So, that's honestly way better than I was expecting Oppenheimer to do. Yeah, same, honestly. I think it's like 11th highest worldwide this year so far. Huh. Which is very impressive. Yeah, considering subject matter and all. I mean, I, I should have guessed Christopher Nolan was still a draw, but I... I didn't guess he'd be that big of one. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, like, it's Christopher Nolan making a movie about a very, relatively speaking, niche subject, even though it changed the entire world as we know it. But yeah, for it to do that well, I just have nothing but applause there. Yeah. Love to see it. Mm hmm. Love to see it again, too. <laughs> yeah, for real, honestly. <laughs> uh, I will at some point. It's just hard to find it in three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Third place Haunted Mansion. Okay. No, it's really not. 24... <laughs> <laughs> Alright. That's... In oh, okay. Tell me more. <laughs> $24 million domestic weekend, and uh, apparently $33.2 million worldwide How? against a roughly $150 million budget. How? How does, a, how does that movie have a budget that high? CGI and expensive cast. Ugh. Yeah, so obviously a lot of things hurt it. The cast not being able to do red carpet promotion, obviously, mm. hurt a bit. Uh, moving it to July in general probably didn't help, since it was originally set for November until they decided the Marvels needed to go there. So they were like, let's switch places with Haunted Mansion, because that's exactly when you want to go see the perfect Halloween movie for the whole family, in the middle of July! <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, end of July, but the point remains... The point still stands. You could have had so much good Halloween marketing as an alternative to all the stuff like Exorcist Believer coming out. Mm. Could have been like, this is the one to take your kids to. And instead, no, no everybody's busy taking their kids to Barbie. I don't know. I feel like this is one of the weird cases where if, Miss, if the Marvels stayed at the original time, they probably would have gotten eaten by the Oppenheimer bear anyway. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know about that. I feel like bear. the Marvels might have done a little bit better. Mm. Cer okay, certainly would have done better than that. Yeah, oh, 
Anyways, yeah, that's very unfortunate. It just kind of makes it worse that they apparently removed the director from Lando without telling him. Hmm. Dick move, Disney. Dick fucking move. Dick fucking move. Or Lucasfilm. Whoever's ultimately in charge of that. <laughs> okay, Disney's the one who fucked over Haunted Mansion, but... Hmm. Fourth place at Sound of Freedom, $12.8 million domestic weekend, $149.3 million domestic total. Who cares? It's already been pointed out that whether or not the Pay It Forward app tickets get redeemed, they still count as money for the exhibitors, so... Mm. I'm pretty sure, like, 20% of opening day sales, which admittedly opening day is only, like, you know, a few million, but 20% of that still... Actually, no, it was more than a few million. Point is, good job stacking the books. Whatever. Right. Fifth place, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, $10.6 million domestic weekend, $139.1 million domestic total, $448.4 million worldwide total, but that's against a $291 million budget, so... Oof. Yep. Mm. Barbenheimer strikes again. Yeah, for real. Oof. And, oh, I probably should specify, neither of us saw Haunted Mansion, so neither of us can speak to how it is. Mm -hmm. Because instead, we both saw Talk to Me, which is right at sixth place. $10.43 million domestically for a $10.46 million worldwide total, which mm. sounds not great, but the movie only had a $4.5 million budget. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I said, I want to say it came out, I think it came out in Australia too last year before coming to the States, so... I think it had like a film premiere, a film festival premiere or something like that at oh. that time. Oh, okay. I mean, even still, regardless, though, that's still a good turnout on just the first week. Yeah, definitely. But before we get into that, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Secret Invasion a little bit, which just wrapped up this Wednesday, or oh this boy. previous Wednesday. No, not oh boy. It was it was actually pretty fucking shit. How bad is it? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna try to keep this non-spoilery at least at first, and then because the finale requires spoilers. So, you know how the the trailer made it look like this would have, like, sort of a Winter Soldier-esque vibe? Yeah. No. Aww. There's none of the intrigue. There's none of the suspense. All it is is just people spend, like, three episodes telling Nick Fury he's old, he's he's not useful anymore, and he's been too shaken up by the blip or whatever, and then he does nothing to prove them wrong. Hmm. He just kind of shows up, makes everything worse, fucks back off into space. <laughs> okay. Not only that, like, this this is, this is to me, the worst of the Disney Plus series. Every other mm. Disney Plus series that Marvel has put out, to me, has been really good to fine. To, mm. to just fine. Even yeah. the ones where I don't like half of it. Like, Miss Marvel. The partition stuff is fine. It's just not really what I associate Miss Marvel with, and I feel like there wasn't enough time to dedicate to that, and they maybe should have stayed focused on the teenage superheroics in Jersey, but I'm also biased because that's what I want to see out of a Miss Marvel series. So, mm. whatever. And I love the stuff that's in Jersey City. That stuff was amazing. That was great. It was hilarious. It was heartwarming. It was adorable. It was awesome. Yeah. And that's one of my lesser favorite ones. Even She-Hulk, which didn't really click with me, is fine. There's some really good stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Even like even for me thinking, oh, the show's not that funny, and it's kind of weird they pitched it as a comedy. Captain America is one of the funniest things <laughs> I've seen in any of these. <laughs> okay, like Captain America in She-Hulk, or no? Right. So you you didn't see it. There's a bit where in the first episode, Jen keeps trying to get Bruce to reveal whether Captain America ever had sex or not. 
Oh. <laughs> and at one point, she pretends to get drunk, and it's just like, I think it's just so sad that Steve Rogers gave up everything for his country and never, and never got laid. And then it's like, St- look, Steve is not a virgin. He lost his virginity to a girl on the USO tour in 19-whatever he said it was. Mm. And then Jen just goes, I knew it! Wait, you're not drunk? <laughs> Captain America, fuck! And then it cuts. <laughs> it's one of the funniest fucking things I've seen in any of these. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> Movies or shows. <laughs> Anyways, the point is, th- you notice I haven't said much about Secret Invasion, and that's because there's not much to say. It just kind of fucking happens. It feels like they crammed the first act into episode one, spun out, like, the first half of act two in the next four episodes, did the back half of Act 2 in Episode 6, and then stop right when you think it's gearing up. Hmm. With no real follow-up in sight, because we know the Marvels isn't really going to be all that Earth-focused, apparently. Hmm, okay. Terrible. Just an absolute fucking shitty show where nothing happens, there's no real paranoia about the scrolls because barely any actual characters we're already familiar with appear, so you don't really care. Hmm. It's just, the villains are awful, and, like, there's a really weird, like, anti-refugee statement in here. Oh, really? So, yeah, so the premise is, apparently, back in the 90s, I was in a very famous TV show. No, no BoJack Horseman reference for me. No, what happens is, Nick Fury promised the scrolls, hey, Carol Danvers and I are gonna do our best to find you a planet. And in re- exchange, you guys will help protect my world while we're doing that. And they basically became a spy network, and they're part of the reason for his success, because he had, you know, secret shape-shifting aliens on his side the whole time. Mm. But apparently they got sick of Fury apparently just dicking about and never doing anything about it. Because okay. we never get any indication he tried. We never get a real indication that he tried. I'll get into what that means when I get into spoilers, but... Oh, Jesus Christ. So, Gravik, this absolute fucking... <sighs> Vacuum of vacuum of intelligence and charisma played by Kingsley Benadire, who is wasted in this. He's a vacuum of a vacuum of intelligence. <laughs> yeah. He's a double vacuum. God, having just seen him in Barbie, it's criminal mm. how they underutilized him here. Absolutely disgusting. So he decides, fuck it, I'm gonna start a nuclear war between the US and Russia because it turns out scrolls apparently are immune to radiation. Okay. Sure, why not? <laughs> and it's just, it's just fucking dumb. The only good parts about it are Nick Fury and Talos doing some back and forth, but there's not nearly enough of it. Mm. And then the ending is just like an absolute slap in the face of what this series was advertising itself as. You know what? If if for some reason you don't want to get spoiled on Secret Invasion and you haven't already seen it, click away. You don't care if I go into it, do you? Nah, not really. Alright, cool. So if you don't want spoilers, click away in three, two, one. So, oh, Jesus Christ. Maria Hill <laughs> dies right at the end of episode one. Really? <laughs> and there's no fake out. There's no fake out. None of the deaths in this are really fake outs, except, good fucking God. So, <laughs> Talos's daughter is now working for Gravik to help kill all of humanity until he finds out that Gravik's faction apparently killed her mother. Off screen, Soren is dead. We never see it. Really? She's just dead now. So, Soren's dead. Maria Hill is dead. Talos dies in episode four? Okay. Episode four. No fake out. No fake out. The only time there's a real genuine fake out is in episode six, where Gaia is pretending, Talos' daughter is pretending to be Nick Fury. Hmm. And you could see it coming. 
So, oh, Jesus Christ, where do I even start with how fucking bad this is? So, so, so I, so I want to make sure because this is kind of reinforcing the thing I hate when shows do this. These are the two scrolls that have been featured very prominently in the movies and were especially prominent in Captain Marvel, right? Yeah, like, these are the ones I'm thinking of. So they, Ben Mendelsohn. So, the, so they are, so they are dead. Like they're they are dead. fully dead, and we're probably not getting any real explanation of that in the big picture stuff. Then, <laughs> nope, they're gone. Jesus. So Maria Hill's dead. Talos is dead. Uh, Rhodey's a scroll. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, which is a surprise to anybody who didn't watch the trailers. <laughs> yeah, because like you know what would have really helped throw him off the set if you had any other superheroes other than Rhodey. Mm. You didn't even have to have them do much. You could have had like. You could add Nick Fury contacting whatever Bruce, Wong, and Carol's secret clubhouse is where they compare notes and go, hey, so there's some scrolls running around on Earth trying to <laughs> extinct humanity. I don't want any of y'all getting involved because I don't know who to trust. So if any of y'all show up, I'm assuming you're a scroll, I'm gonna bust a cap in your ass. <laughs> so what should have happened? Maybe have a couple turn up anyway, maybe have someone unrelated show up. I know it would have been expensive, but this show already had a $212 million budget. I don't know where the fuck it went. Really? Something like that. I don't know where the fuck any of it went. Oh, I know where some of it went, actually. So, oh, Jesus Christ, it gets worse. (laughs) Am I about to make you have an aneurysm on the show? No, so, so we never get, like I said, we never get an explanation for why Fury didn't find them a planet. There's a bit where Gaia, pretending to be him, says he went looking for something, couldn't find one, and decided to try and make them a home on Earth. Except, we know that's bullshit, because Fury got in an argument with Talos in Episode 3 where he's like, Motherfucker, humans can't coexist with each other! You think we got room for another sentient species on this planet? We don't! So that's a fucking lie. Yeah, and also probably one of the most realist things I've ever heard a fictional character say. Yeah, that part was actually good, and it just makes the rest of it all that much more disappointing. Like mm. I said, Nick and Talos interacting is the best part, which makes it absolutely fucking baffling that you killed him off! <laughs> so, it it makes everybody look bad. It makes the scrolls look bad for apparently just sitting on their asses while Fury and Carol did nothing. It makes Fury and Carol look bad. Oh, you need a planet? What about that one Thanos ran to? Hmm. If that's such a fucking issue, why did you drop him off there? We also don't know how long Rhodey's been a scroll. The director seems to be under the impression he's been a scroll since Civil War, which mm. fucking stupid because Gravik yeah. didn't start his plans until after the Battle of Earth, which oh god, it's gonna get worse. So there are super scrolls in this. <laughs> there are super scrolls, and historically the super scrolls, the most famous of them, Clert. God, what a gross sounding name. He has <laughs> He has the powers of the Fantastic Four, and obviously you can't get the Fantastic Four yet because you haven't even cast the Fantastic Four. So, when they introduce the concept of Super Scrolls, they're, they're, they have DNA from, like, Groot, a Frost Beast, Cull Obsidian, and an Extremist Soldier, apparently. Which, pretty potent combo. So, basically unkillable. You'd think, and yet, but I'll get into it. So, it turns out, <laughs> it turns out after the Battle for Earth in, in Endgame, the one where everybody fought Thanos... Nick Fury had the scrolls collect the DNA of everybody present at that battle. How? I don't know. Also, wait, 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 wait. The show doesn't go over that? No, it doesn't go into how. It doesn't, That's apparently, extremely like, frustrating on its own. I guess own. <laughs> they collected it from, like, blood samples and stuff left around. That's extremely frustrating on its own. No, but it, get, it gets even more weird because, like, we get a whole ass list of people, and some of them weren't even there. Really? Ghost is included, Abomination is included, and, like... 
Maybe they got their DNA from elsewhere, but it'd be real good to establish that you got it from elsewhere, because otherwise it feels like you're trying to say, no, no, they were totally at the battle first, you just didn't see them, and I, I get you couldn't get literally everybody, but it's been four years since Endgame, you don't have to cram in, oh, so-and-so was actually there, you just didn't see them, it's fine, not everybody needed to be there, the Eternals weren't there, it's fine. Yeah. It's all good. So, anyways, then... Gravik ends up getting the DNA and turning himself into a Super Scroll, but he also accidentally turns Gaia, pretending to be Nick Fury, into a Super Scroll, with the powers of... Good God, I can't fucking believe this. So, when I say everybody at the Battle of Earth, I mean basically everybody. There's fucking Drax, Mantis, Hulk, Thanos, Thor, Captain Marvel, so fucking... So, so going from nigh-unkillable to actually unkillable... Korg... Korg? Yeah, so and, literally yeah, unkillable. <laughs> some of this is fucking stupid, because, like, you see names on there like Captain America and the Winter Soldier, and why the fuck would you want Captain America DNA when you've got Hulk? Yeah. And why do you need Winter Soldier DNA if you got Captain America? You know he doesn't, you know having his DNA doesn't give you a vibranium arm, right? You dumb fucking idiot. It doubles the dosage of the Super Soldier serum left. <laughs> like, you want, you want... Good fucking god. You want an invincible <laughs> super scroll? Here's what you do. Thanos, Captain Marvel, Mantis, Groot, maybe Extremis for dumb l- for, 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 for safety. Mm. Boom. Solve fucking game. I'm just glad. I can't believe I'm giving the show credit for this. I can't. I'm just glad that at no point during the super scroll throwdown do either of them grow a cloak of levitation out of their back and they try to justify it with Doctor Strange DNA. Oh, goodness. Never oh, happens. Never happens. God. But, like, what a low fucking bar that I'm honestly grateful for that. <laughs> Apparently, the Super Scroll Showdown was Kevin Feige's idea, which is really fucking disappointing, because you just released She-Hulk, where they pointed out at the last episode that for a show trying to be a legal comedy, a big CGI superhero slugfest is a really stupid way to end it. And that's what we got. Apparently you didn't connect the dots that a big CGI superhero slugfest between two characters who are basically original characters, by the way, mm. co- co- with the powers of literally everybody, <laughs> would be a really stupid way to end a grounded sci-fi spy thriller. <laughs> and it gets even dumber because, like, okay, How got does it get dumber? <laughs> got Korg DNA, right? And Korg can live with just his face. Yeah. Right? Literally just his face. Not even his head, just his face. Gaia kills Gravik by blasting him through the torso with a Captain Marvel hand blast, and apparently that just does it. It's like, fucking what? Mm. What? <laughs> and then, and then, Gaia doesn't even lose the powers. She's still walking around with it, and she ends up working for MI6 under Sonia Fallsworth, the uh, Olivia Coleman's character, who's actually really great. She's one of the few things in the series that's unambiguously a real delight. But Okay. Okay, you just made literally the most powerful hero in the Marvel Universe, and now they're working for MI6. Do you have... Did you fucking think about this at all? And then, and then, the president starts going on an anti-alien campaign because he finds out about the scrolls and that Rhodey was one, and he's like, people of America, like, it's open season on aliens. Just fucking, if if you got a scroll, fucking kill him. And it Mm. leads to actual regular humans getting caught up in the crossfire, too. So Nick Fury just calls him an idiot and then fucks back off into space, having made everybody's lives worse for having interacted with them. Hmm. What a stupid fucking series. Yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> and most of I that is just the s- last goddamn episode. Wait, what? 
Most of that is the last goddamn episode. Ugh. We don't find out what Gravik actually wants until episode five, and the big the big fight happens in ep- at season si- at episode six, and then it feels like it's ramping up to something, and then it just fucking ends. Man, that's a lot of money for a lot of bad. <laughs> it's terrible. It's mm. honestly terrible. I'm gonna stop talking about it now. Oh, is that 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 was it, right? Yeah, no, that was it. Literally all Fury did at the- Do you have more to say before you blaspheme even more? <laughs> all Fury did at the end was just show up in the hospital and shoot Rhodey in the head. Mm. That's all the great Nick Fury's capable of anymore, I guess. Okay, so... We did see Talk To Me this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so talk to me. Talk to me about something other than Secret Invasion. <laughs> oh, oh, gladly at this point. Mm. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. So, we did see Talk to Me. It, it It's an Australian horror film. It is the directorial debut of... Directorial debut of Danny and Michael Philippou. Okay. Philippou? I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm bad at this. Hmm. So, um, it... This was good. Mm-hmm. It was a good time. I... I will say it's probably one of my less favorite A24 movies. Okay. I mean... That's still high praise, though. That is very high praise, because the movie itself is still good. It's still very good. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I've seen any that, like, I just straight up didn't like, and nothing really jumps out at... Wait, did they do The Witch? I wasn't a huge fan of The Witch. The point is... (laughs) Did they do The Witch? (laughs) Yes. Yes, they did. Okay, okay so, I wasn't a huge fan of The Witch. So, but, say, so that's the one, like, well, not even bad, just, like, not crazy about a 24 movie, then. I might just need to revisit that one, even. I don't know. Mm. But I love Her- Hereditary. I love 8th Grade. Wait, they did Hereditary? Yeah! Oh, I completely... That makes so much more sense now. <laughs> that that makes Hereditary... Like, Hereditary is already a really good movie, even though I will never watch it again as long as I live. But that makes so much more sense. <laughs> that E24 big grown Oh, wait, they didn't produce The Witch. They only distributed it, so, huh. Hmm. I believe they also... I mean, obviously, Everything Ever All at Once is great. Yeah. I'm getting off topic here. The point, the point is, is <laughs> I did really like this movie. I just, I don't know. It's not one of my favorites. But I will say, to its credit, this is a perfect example of a horror movie that is absolutely frustrating in a completely understandable way. Yeah. This is stupid stupid people do stupid things well okay i shouldn't say stupid people but people do really stupid things and you get really upset but every step of the way you can see how we got here yeah you can clearly see is like i don't like they're doing that they're doing this but i can see how they connected the dots in the way that they did i can see how we got here and i understand it and uh it's real i feel like it's hard to describe what happens in this movie without getting into spoilers i mean in terms of a quick summary, I guess, if I can, like, attempt it. Yeah, go for it. The long and short of it is that a group of teenagers come across a disembodied hand that when a certain phrase is spoken to it while holding it, it allows the teenagers to talk to ghosts and spirits and whatever ha- other kind of things happen. Bad things ensue. Yeah. <laughs> that you would expect in a horror movie. Agreed. And even then, it's like, 
the movie still very, very readily will throw constant loops at you. And you know what? In in the spirit of this is a frustrating but understandable movie, good job to everybody involved. Oh, yeah. No, like, every actor and actress in this movie was pretty great. It's a very fine line to walk, making your character, I assume intentionally, very frustrating but still sympathetic. No, like, everyone was really good in the movie, especially um, the lead actress. Sophie Wilde? Sophie Wilde, yeah, she was great. Yeah. Besides that, though, aspects of it, as far as, like, you know, the visual style and the weirdly... It does the usual A24 thing, although... I feel like it harkens to the allegory that the movie's trying to get to, which I feel like is a spoiler if I get into it, so I'm not going to really get into it right now. But it really does the A24 thing that A24 seems to be so good in, or at least something I've noticed in like the movies I've watched for them, where they will take a moment or a sequence or whatever that should be very uncomfortable and will probably be very uncomfortable, but you're still kind of like, I am not having a good time, but I am vibing with this right now. It's the whole thing of like nervous laughter being like, okay, I'm I, 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 I'm like not having a good time, but I'm not having a bad time. And so I don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't say that's an every A24 thing, but it's certainly it's certainly a thing with they just, they just make good horror movies when they make horror movies. Yeah, they make really good horror movies in general. Did they produce this one? Um, no, I think they just distributed it. Oh, yeah, they just distributed it in the well, U.S. Well, uh, my bad. They know how to pick them, then. Yeah, as I say, they have a good eye for them, if nothing else. Whoopsie-daisies. <laughs> no offense to all the production companies involved. You you did great. Mm-hmm. Also, in the same way Sophie Wilde is really great as Mia, props to Miranda Otto as uh, Jade's mom. Jade oh, O'Reilly's yeah. mom. Yeah. Who is... There's a couple of points in it where I'm just like, man, fuck off. But it's also like... No, but I get it. And yeah. <laughs> also, clever. Nice work. Mm-hmm. I would say the movie's maybe a little predictable up until the very end. Mm. In the sense of, maybe not in terms of specific details. So I guess that's not really fair to say, because you know things are going to get worse, because that's how you have the movie. Mm-hmm. So, re- I'll retract that. I have, I, I took a lot of notes, but most of them are just things I wanted to remember. Yeah. Not so much criticism or anything like that, but just things where it's like, huh, this is this is an interesting thing. It's a safer later. I'm surprised the movie wasn't more anti-social media. Yeah. Yeah, now that I think about it, because that is definitely a big aspect of the movie. So it would have seemed really easy for it to kind of jump more into that, um, into that thought process. I guess maybe there is a way that it factors in, but I'll get into it more discussing the main parallel, I think, because you're right. I think that qualifies as a spoiler. Mm-hmm. But some really good symbolism with doors and the inability to open them thereof, and the you probably should have left them shut thereof. Yeah. <laughs> if you read between the lines and like really pay attention, there's some interesting parallels. A lot of really interesting, cool parallels. Not so much in what the parallels are, but how the movie sets them up. That afterwards you're like, oh, that's that's an interesting way of talking about that, or like describing that, or what have you. Oh, here's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Causeway Films, one of the product, one of the co-producers or co-production companies on this film, they also were producers on the Babadook. That explains a lot. <laughs> it does. It does. All right. Yeah, that that cool. gives that explains a lot more. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's necessarily a spoiler to say this is another horror movie where the danger 
is not just a manifest danger, but also a metaphor for grief. Yeah. And in that regard, maybe that's maybe that's why I'm not like super enthused about it because I've seen quite a lot of them mm-hmm. lately. It feels like, but I mean, most horror represents something. Like nobody's afraid of something for nothing. Right. So I guess this is just the phase that we're in. Hmm. Horror as a metaphor for depression or grief or mental illness or what have you. And eventually we'll probably have something else as the predominant thing. And I I hesitate to even call it predominant. But it's what it feels like. Oh, okay. It's it's kind of unfair because, like I I feel like it's not even that I don't really like this movie. I guess it's just like the movie doesn't feel out there enough. Hmm. Which isn't necessarily a fair comparison. Yeah, because there's only so much you can get out there before it starts breaking suspension of disbelief. Not even suspension of disbelief, just that, just that sensation that there's a lack of novelty, which again isn't really something everything needs. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know, I've come to expect it from things A24 distributes, so my own fault, I guess. My own expectations being a tad too. Because especially for a, for a directorial debut for a feature film, this is damn good. Yeah, very much so. Which means nowhere to go but up. <laughs> or down, but hopefully up. Hopefully up. We want more up. Yeah. Well, good luck. Ed Asner's dead. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Well, Thank you. Well done. <laughs> Medium rare, do, even. Do your whole, like, Francesca Von Karma-like bow down. <laughs> ah, yes. Got you now, Mr. Wright. Ah. Uh. For more context, make sure to check out Unlimited Video Games Twitch <laughs> channel where there's a uh, store stream every Thursday. Occasionally, we play Ace Attorney. Yes, indeed. But, I don't know, you got anything else that's not a spoiler? I don't think so. Other than go see the movie. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely worth a watch. Do not let my lack of effervescent praise sour you on it. It's damn good. Maybe I'm just kind of Maybe I'm just kind of worn out after Barbie and Oppenheimer. I mean, to be honest, those movies are the reason why I elected to see this, because it's one of those things where part of my brain was going, oh, we should probably see Haunted Mansion, because apparently it's not doing very well, uh, as far as, like, critical reviews and all that. But I was like, I just saw two really good movies last weekend. I don't think I want to sit through an, a bad movie just yet. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of my rationale, too. I still want to see Haunted Mansion at some point. Maybe I'll try oh, this yeah. week, but it's just... Uh, this week's going to be hard, too, because uh, we'll get into it. Anyways, mm. if you don't want to be spoiled on Talk To Me, and again, it's definitely worth checking out. I, it's... Yeah, no, it's worth checking out. It's 100% worth checking out. Decently good scares. The characters are all understandable, if not enjoyable. Yeah. And at the end, I got a kind of weird sense of satisfaction out of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you don't want to get spoiled, uh, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop beating around the bush now. If you don't want to get spoiled, make sure to click away in three, two, one. So to get more into details of this embalmed human hand, you have to light a candle to open the door. Somebody grabs the hand, says "Talk to me" to summon a spirit that they can see, and then says, uh, "And apparently, you can talk to the spirits just like that. You don't have to go any further." Mm-hmm. But the thing that they keep doing is saying, I let you in, which then allows them to possess you. And it is stressed that it is very important that they not possess you for longer than 90 seconds, otherwise they won't want to leave. Yeah, and it's one of those things where during those bits of the movie, when they're going through that, 
that is like some of the best acting in the movie. Yeah, because it's it's hard to like adequately describe just over the over the airways through a microphone, but the ability of these actors and actresses is really shown during those bits because they literally switch modes completely instantly without a moment's thought. And it's so incredibly well done. And there's a moment in the movie when they're just it's just a rapid fire montage of them all taking turns doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that really speaks to your feeling uncomfortable but also vibing with it. Because yeah. it's the case of like you're sucked into that moment because you know you know something's about to go wrong at any minute. It's such an interesting way that they did that because your brain knows that everything that you're watching is bad. That is such a bad idea. It can only go horribly. But it is the thing of, like, you're seeing all these kids just having a good time with it and laughing and vibing, even though you know 100% consciously and very correctly that nothing but bad shit is about to go down. <laughs> yeah. And bad shit very much goes down right after that montage. Because so what, ki what, what kicks it off is the, the, the first time that they all gather around and do this. Mia, the main character played by Sophie Wilde, she lost her mom two years ago and apparently still wasn't taking it well, which understandable. And they go to this thing and she volunteers to go first and gets the hand stuck to her for a little longer than 90 seconds, but it seems like everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But then they do it again another night, and her best friend Jade, his, her younger brother Riley, who Mia appears very close to, because Mia's basically just kind of part of Jade's family. Yeah. Sort of, like she's been pseudo-adopted, mm -hmm. partly because her and her dad are very distant now after her, mo after her mom died. Yeah. So Riley wants to, go, wants to go with the hand, Jade says no, Jade leaves the room... Mia convinces everybody else to let Riley do it, just for what's supposed to be 50 seconds. Mm -hmm. But apparently the spirit Riley gets is Mia's mom. And in her quest to talk to her mom again, Mia ends up letting it go too long. And the spirit, way too long. <laughs> way too long. Spirit ends up possessing Riley and making him basically bash his head against anything he can reach. Yeah. And then trying to pluck his own eye out, which was... A step too far, and you know what? Just for that scene, yeah, I wasn't giving this movie enough credit. Thinking back on that, I don't want to think on that. Yeah, no, that was... When that started, I was like, we're going to lift our glasses up? Because <laughs> like, I am horrifically nearsighted. So, <laughs> it's that's usually my cheat when it comes to movies that have scenes like that, is I just like, we're going to move our glasses because we're horrifically oh, nearsighted. So if it's all so worried that I can't even see it, that means it's not happening. <laughs> I got to try that at some point. Shit. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I think the most obvious metaphor I can see is that this is a metaphor for drug addiction. No, that's very much what it was going for. Particularly drug addiction as a way of coping with grief, I'd assume. Well, okay. In Mia's case, it's drug addiction as a coping mechanism. In most of the other kids' cases, it's as a recreational tool. Yeah, and it gets tele the scenes where it gets telegraphed very clearly in that aspect for me. And uh, well, that whole montage is the moment I realize like, oh, I see what they're going for here. When it's the whole thing like them just like, again, it's the whole thing like you see what they're doing, you see that and know for the fact that it's such a bad idea, 
but it's just got like the music going and everyone just like laughing and having a good time, even though there is an absolutely horrible thing happening right now. It's like, and they're all convinced it's absolutely harmless if you know what you're doing. Yeah, and it's like, oh, this is about drugs. This is really cool. <laughs> yeah, this is re- and especially when the freaking like I I don't know how old Riley is supposed to be. Thirteen, I think. Especially when the thirteen year old's like, I want to try it. The sister's like, no, but it's like. Everyone else like, oh, just stop being boring. And even the best friend's like, eh, it's fine if he tries a little bit. I was like, yeah, this is about drug addiction. Yeah. <laughs> and very clearly about how it can go horrifically wrong. And especially because when the brother of the guy who they originally got the hand from is talking about it, he says, the, lo- the longer you wait, like, if you get possessed, they go away with time. Mm-hmm. Which is how you kick an addiction. You just... I mean, you know, in some cases, obviously, you need to go off it slowly. Like, you can't kick certain habits immediately without withdrawal, running the risk of killing you, but... Yeah. In general, the best thing to do is fucking stop. Mm-hmm. Kind of, like, with that is also with how, when they in that same scene where they're talking about Riley, them going, it's like, no, he's probably going to die before that happens. Yeah. So... It was really interesting how they used so much of all those horror elements as metaphor for drug addiction. Like, I apparently, I haven't read it fully. I remember seeing something mentioned, but apparently part of the inspiration for this movie was either one of the brothers or one of the producers, I want to say one of the brothers, seeing a video of one of their friends going through like a seizure from drug overdose at a party. Mm. And with that, I was just like, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. <laughs> So things start falling apart from there. Uh, everybody gets progressively angrier at Mia mm-hmm. because, well, it's, it was her idea to let Riley do this in the first place, and she kind of talked the rest of them into it. Yeah. Also, rising tensions between Jade's boyfriend, who is Mia's ex-boyfriend, mm-hmm. Daniel. That poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that guy got the short end of the stick multiple times. <laughs> yeah, when he got possessed, he got possessed by a spirit that I guess really wanted to make out with a dog. Yeah, the, like a actually like pervious fuck spirit, and their dog and me starts coming over and like make making out with the dog. It's just like, oh Jesus Christ! Talk about committing to your role. <laughs> yep. Not fun. No. And then. Tries to be cool with his ex, especially because he can't go back to his house because his parents think he's at his cousin's. Ends up getting his fucking entire foot sucked on by Mia being possessed by another spirit, which, that was creepy. Very. That was very creepy. That was really disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. What? Nope. Um, I'm thinking about it. (laughs) Stop it! (laughs) This is why you don't let teenager science experiment. No. And okay. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember the exact order of events, too. Well, we also find out later on that because of Mia be- holding onto the hand for way too long, she still has something of a connection to the spirit world, a very faint one. But in particular, because of that, she's able to actually kind of talk to her mom again a little bit. Well, what appears to be her mom. What appears to be her mom. But is pretty clearly not. Yeah. So I think it might have all been mostly orchestrated by that one initial spirit she saw, the the drowned lady. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because every time every time her mom spirit appears, quote unquote, she's more bloated. Oh, I didn't re- I didn't realize that. So I I think that spirit decided she wanted Riley and started a long con to get Mia to kill Riley. 
Huh. Yeah, that's that would be an interesting take, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. the, the spirit keeps telling her, or her mom's spirit allegedly keeps telling her the only way to save Riley is to kill him. Hmm. Keeps lying and saying, like, even after her, her dad ends up telling her, well, the truth is your mom didn't accidentally overdose on sleeping pills. She committed suicide. And he reads out the note and she still doesn't believe it. And the spirit goes, no, I didn't kill myself. Your dad's been replaced. And it's like, if you stop and thought about this for five seconds, <laughs> you'd know how fucking stupid that is. But of course, yeah. because Mia's not in a great place, she mm -hmm. buys it and accidentally stabs her dad in the neck with a pair of scissors. Yeah. Especially since it's one of those things where it's like, it's very much established that this disconnect between the two of them has been happening way before the hand. So it's not like, you know, he's been replaced this entire time. <laughs> right. And when would he have, when would they have? He never touched it. Yeah, exactly. But see, this is this is one of those things where, like I said, y you know it's bullshit and stupid, but you can see why Mia believes it. Yeah. Because she's in the middle of a guilt-related, grief-related, stress-related breakdown. Drug-related breakdown. <laughs> a stand-in for drug-related breakdown. Yeah. And there's even a whole thing where Jade and Riley's mom is convinced that Mia gave him something, and that that's why he ended up smashing his head against stuff. Mm-hmm. Only to then determine, oh wait, there were no drugs in his system, so he just had some kind of breakdown. Oh, I'm so sorry for blaming you for this. And it's like, no, no, you were actually spot on, but appreciate it. Yeah, it's like, you're spot on. Not necessarily in the way you think, but you are actually pretty on top of it. I had him touch a dead hand and get possessed by a spirit. You what? <laughs> it was one time. <laughs> so Mia keeps using the hand ostensibly to help Riley, but also just to sort out her own shit, which ends up getting her more and more into the dead people's clutches. Oh, she God. ends up going to the hospital in an attempt to kill Riley to quote-unquote set him free, decides she can't do it, Steals him out of the hospital, wheels him over to the highway, and prepares to wheel him out in traffic. Decides she can't do that either, and throws herself into traffic instead. I feel like she did that because, especially when the spirit probably pretending to be her mom is just trying to goad her into pushing him out. When she goes, he'll be with us forever and all that. I feel like she, because she opens her eyes right after that, and I feel like she realized, oh, I'm being fucked with right now. And, and, but I... I feel like that's the reason why she jumped in instead of her. Maybe. But I still have a hard time drawing that connection there, too. <laughs> I don't really know. And I will say, it did trick me a little bit at the end, because I genuinely thought she might have lived. Oh, that was so good. Everything about, like, that last five minutes was so well done because of that. Until she got up and started walking around, and then I was like, okay, yeah, probably not. Yeah, and then it's like, when she's trying to call her dad, it's like, oh, she's fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, once she's wandering around the hospital, it becomes very apparent, because apparently what happened is, she died, but she was still in the hands thrall, and she ends up in a void, ends up seeing a light, following it. Turns out, she is now a spirit on the other end of the hand. Mm-hmm. And then it ends. Yeah, and it ends. Pure silence, and then very good, but very loud, Australian hip-hop music starts playing in the credits roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some banger soundtrack in this. Yeah, it's like, it's actually a pretty solid soundtrack. I imagine it's a lot of, like, more indie artists, but still. Quite possibly. I have no idea. Hmm. No, this is suitably very creepy. I like the spirit designs. Well, I say like. I actually mean I'm impressed by, because I don't yeah. like them. They're fucking you know, ugly, I... and I hate looking at them. But they're very well drawn and very well created. Yeah. They make me want to hide behind my hands. <laughs> Decently uncomfortable. 
decently uncomfortable, very well written and directed, and extremely well acted, too. Oh, yeah. All of the actors and actresses, and I know I said it a bunch of times, but everyone in this movie did a bang-up job. Some random observations. Well, Dad's a grade-A well-meaning fuck-up. Yeah. <laughs> said after he reads the suicide note two years after he should have. Mm-hmm. And then when Mia accidentally stabbed him in the... Well, I say accidentally. Accidentally on purpose stabbed him in the neck. I immediately wrote underneath, like father, like daughter. <laughs> the only bit of the, that I was confused by was when he's like, I'm sorry I didn't read this to you. I didn't want you to blame yourself. It's like, how? Yeah, why would you have blamed yourself? I mean, to be fair, grief is not rational, so... Well, true. Well, grief can be irrational, I should say. So, weirdly squeaky bus they got on. Yeah. <laughs> you noticed that too, right? Oh yeah, no, because it, it's one of those buses where it bends in the middle. Okay, is that what that is? Those buses are supposed to be a lot more maneuverable. Okay. So, I think it, the squeakiness was from the membrane in the middle. And then, at the end, when Mia is putting her plan to kill Riley into action, and she lures Jade away, <laughs> going... <laughs> I don't mean, I don't mean to laugh, but because that is what happened. But it is just something hearing that out loud. I was like, yeah. And as she's putting her plan to kill Riley in action, it's just like, ugh. <laughs> when she tells me, "Look, I just need you to trust me, okay?" I, I, all I could think was, no. Historically speaking, trusting her throughout this movie has been the worst thing you could do. Yeah. I wonder what the point of her having a cold at the beginning was. Never really comes up again. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Oh well. No, I thought this was a very good time. Yeah. It's one where I will put it on my shelf and then probably not watch it again until maybe next Halloween. Because I need some time to decompress. Right. And I got plenty of other spooky things to watch soon enough. You got anything else for Talk to Me? I feel like I should, but I don't. Fair enough. Yeah, because I think we covered everything everything that at least popped up in my head. So, yeah, I'd say we covered all, all bases necessary. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow us on TikTok, Google Podcasts, Spotify, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, whatever you feel like doing. It's X now. And I'm still calling it Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, same. <laughs> it is still Twitter. They are still tweets. Fuck Elon Musk. That rich fucking asshole. What are you going to do? Ban me on Twitter? I'm sure all four of my followers will be very devastated. Aww. Anyways, next week, apparently it's 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 a three-way release of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which is my front-runner. Mm-hmm, same. Shortcomings, apparently. I'm not seeing any showtimes for it yet, but maybe they'll pop up later. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's a limited release. We'll, we'll find out, I suppose. And The Meg 2, which probably no. not. Yeah, that's just a straight no from me, dog. I thought maybe, I thought maybe I'd catch Ninja Turtles and that one if I could also watch the first The Meg beforehand, but now I'm at a point where if Shortcomings is also out that same weekend, there's just no room for The Meg 2 on my schedule. Right. But I I guess we'll see, so next week prepare for Turtles, and maybe also Shortcomings? Probably prepare for Turtles more so. Yeah, I mean Turtles looks damn good. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> Hell yeah. In any case, this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.